Hi, this is Dr. Sean Handorp, clinical psychologist and health behavior expert, and this is the Motivation Made Easy podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you science-backed information, strategies, and inspiration to master your relationship with food so that you can feel in control of your habits, respect your body, and free your mind to focus on the things in life that truly matter. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I've had years of experience doing research and patient care in the field of weight management and eating disorders. So I've had the insider view on understanding what works and what we're getting very, very wrong. In this podcast, you'll find practical information and tips based on motivation science, interviews from experts, and stories from real people and how they've navigated their relationship with food. My goal is to empower you with information, inspire you to make changes that fit you, and feel 100% supported along the way. So settle in and make yourself comfortable, and get excited to learn and take action for a better, healthier, more energized life. Hey there, before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to make sure you were aware of a free resource I have. It's an audio training that I created to walk you through the steps of not dieting, but tuning into your body and making the next behavior change that fits you. So if you're struggling to control your eating or feeling frustrated or stressed about weight gain, this is a great guide to just download really quick and listen to and figure out, okay, what are some step-by-step guides that I can take right now to move myself in a positive direction. It really walks you through the how. So if you're looking for that type of guidance, make sure you grab that for free at drhondorp.com forward slash tune in. So check that out and get that today. All right, on with the show. Hello, hello, Dr. Sean Hondorp here coming to you today with a episode about how to turn a habit from a should to a want to. So in this episode, we'll go over some examples of what autonomous motivation really is, what we mean when we say autonomous motivation, and what we mean when we say want to. So is it you do it because you just love it all the time? Not necessarily, and we'll dive into that. And then we'll talk most importantly about how. We'll talk about strategies to shift from should to want to and how to apply that. So let's dive in. And as a reminder, before we dive in, this podcast and all content is for educational and informational purposes only and is not to be construed as professional mental health, nutrition, or any other medical advice. All right, so first, really quick, if you've been listening to me for a while, you probably already know that autonomous motivation is my jam. It's what I like talking about, but let's just review why it's so helpful. So, well, first of all, from a health behavior expert standpoint, autonomous motivation is really appealing for me to talk to you about because we have really good data to support that it's associated with long-term change. So when it comes to behavioral weight loss, like we've talked about, the stats are uninspiring to say the least. But when we think about measuring autonomous motivation, meaning someone has an internal feeling free to make the habit changes that are important to them with regards to their eating, exercise, or really anything. 
when they feel autonomous motivation for it, it predicts long-term change even up to three years later. So because this effect is quite rare to see when we see this as a researcher or a clinician, my eyes light up a little bit because I'm like, oh, that's what we need to be helping people with. So there's one study that I reference often. There's a number of studies that would support this, but one that I reference often that showed that women who had autonomous change in this behavioral program, I believe, I believe it was a program focused on weight loss. I'd have to look back, but when they had autonomous relationships to exercise, they found that these women were exercising. It was associated with exercise three years later, and it was also associated with weight loss maintenance. So again, weight loss maintenance is very rare for us to see. So when that happens, we pay attention. So you'll find in the show notes a reference to that study. But let's assume that you're like, yeah, Sean, I agree. Autonomous motivation is helpful. How do I get it? So let's dive into that because that's the most important thing, right? First, I think it's important to clarify what we mean when we say shift to a want to. So it isn't actually always because it's fun. And that is we talk about the different types of motivation. Intrinsic motivation is the most internal, meaning you do a behavior because you inherently like something about it. It's fun meaningful, enjoyable, or challenging. Something about the actual, what you're doing is enjoyable. So if you love to play tennis, you would play tennis regardless of the outcome. You just enjoy the actual act of playing tennis. That would be an intrinsically motivated behavior. So I started on my podcast. I've been interviewing some experts and also friends of mine, and they, I've been asking them this question of what are you autonomously motivated for? What's one example? And some of them have been answering more for the intrinsic. And it reminded me that just to remind them, autonomy is not just you do it because you love it. It's really you do it because you choose it. So actually, what might be more accurate is to say how to turn a should into a I choose to. And if you want to, I mean, you want to do it because you choose it, right? So it's kind of a language getting us all mixed around. But basically how to shift something from feeling like a should, oh, I have to do that, to I choose to do it because I will feel better, whether or not you like the behavior, right? So sometimes you like it, but other times you do it, like tasks, for example, that have been weighing on you that you really need to get done. You do it because you choose to, even if you don't like the actual behavior itself. So that's what we're aiming for when we say autonomous and therefore sustainable motivation. So the first example I have is from one of my upcoming podcast guests, Dr. Sapna Doshi. I had asked her what behavior she's autonomously motivated for, and she said that she's really motivated to stay really organized in her business so that she can have the freedom to do other things in her life that are important to her. And after discussing it, she's like, oh yeah, I guess I don't really love the actual act of organization per se. Sometimes I do, but it's really the act of doing this will help me to feel free in my other parts of my life. And so I had asked her because I'm friends with her and I know that that's something she used to really struggle with. I asked her to explain a little bit how she did that. So she shared a couple tips that I think are really useful. First, she said she was reducing, well, she tackled avoidance by saying, okay, I'm going to do this. Even if it's uncomfortable, I'm going to sit with that discomfort of a lot of it was coming for her of feeling like she had to do it perfectly, right? So I think we see this a lot with sometimes with eating or 
with trying something new, feeling like I'm not going to do it because it's going to make me uncomfortable. I'm not doing it perfectly. So reducing that perfectionistic thinking or fixed mindset of you need to do it completely right and reducing avoidance by just tackling it, right? And, and she also said the more she did this, the more confidence she got. And then she started to focus on how she will feel when it's done. And that's a helpful question that we can ask ourselves, right? Like, not I should, I should, I should, but how will I feel when this is done, whether it's a task or whether it is, you know, if it's exercise, right? Like some people, if you like exercise, that's wonderful. But what about people that struggle with liking exercise because they've had a fraught relationship with exercise or they just don't get that runner's high that like not every brain responds in that way, right? So focusing on how you feel when you're done with the exercise is a way to remind yourself this is a choice and you you truly can make it without judgment. That without judgment piece can be hard, right? But that's important. Give yourself that flexibility and choice and then choose the behavior that's most consistent with the person that you wanna be and how you want to feel. That's a key part of this question, right? How do I wanna feel at the end of my day? How do I wanna feel at the end of my week? Not so, who told me I need to do this or how, how am I pressuring myself what's important to me. Starting to give yourself the opportunity to think of it in that way will allow you to consistently feel more quote unquote motivated to do it. It's a different type of motivation. Hey everyone, just wanted to interrupt myself really quick to make sure you are aware of my new free guide that I have available. This was made for you if you were saying, I want to stop emotional eating or I want to have alternatives to do instead of eating when I'm feeling bored or stressed, but I don't know what that looks like or I don't know what to do instead. Hopefully by now you know me. There's no judgment about emotional eating. There's nothing morally wrong with that. So it's more so for the people that have talked to me and said, yeah, I know it's okay to emotionally eat sometimes, but I want options because I feel better sometimes when I don't emotionally eat or when I address the cause or when I just do something else. Really the idea is, you know, I'm all about autonomy and choice. So it's just giving your brain some ideas when you're in that moment, feeling that urge to eat, it's really hard to think of ideas. So this is just a quick PDF download that you can have at your fingertips. And it's all of my favorite ideas for quick and easy things, including links to things like inspiring videos. I I tried to choose some things that really get you in touch with some important topics. Like of course, Brene Brown has a video in there, my favorite one of her, talking about courage and living consistent with your values. But then there's some simpler ones too, for if you don't feel like watching an intense video, there's some easier ideas as well. It's all about just going over this list and figuring out what fits you and what might work for you. So check it out. You can find that at drhondorp.com forward slash guide. That's D-R-H-O-N. D-O-R-P dot com forward slash guide. So check that out and get some ideas for yourself today. All right. So let's talk about how to change a should into a want to or a choice as it applies to eating or doing things that like meal planning or preparation that would often be helpful to do, but can become very much a should for many of us. So we just finished up this really great challenge group. It was a free challenge I ran called the Body Respect Challenge. I'll probably do it again in the future. So feel free to jump on drhondorp.com forward slash challenge if you want to join us next time. But 
In this group, many people were describing doing meal prep and planning regularly, which I kind of struggle with it. So I was like, oh, okay, so that's internal autonomous for them. And what they described is, in terms of how they do it, is some of it is just like, it's just what I do. It's a habit. When you really dig deeper, though, and talk to them about it, they described that meal planning and preparation helped them to feel more relaxed, more in control, more prepared for their week. So they didn't have to stress about each decision and could just really focus on the things in their life that matter to them. So that's internal motivation, right? It's focused on how you're going to feel. And again, maybe or many times they weren't consciously aware of this, but this is how we do things consistently. So we need to like dig deep and understand how we're doing these things consistently and internally when we are so that we can apply it to the other areas in our life. So some of you probably like the planning process, some probably not so much, but doing that consistently was consistent with the person that you want to be and how you want to feel in your week. So again, that's the theme here. And that is really going to be helpful as you think about different areas of your life where you can shift from should to want to. So as someone who doesn't uh, love meal planning and prepping, I did the week of the challenge. It was kind of fun. And I it's always a work in progress, I think, for all of us. But um, sometimes I'll avoid thinking about it or doing it. But even if I can remind myself, it was helpful this week to remind myself that the more consistently I do it, I am doing it for myself and my family, no one else, right? Like there's no should, but I also feel more relaxed those weeks. And like it's thinking about how you feel is something that really motivates behavior change. So that's a really helpful thing. Again, asking yourself, how do I want to feel at the end of my day, the end of the week, depending on what task we're talking about. So the same can be applied to weight loss or the way we often approach dieting. The problem is that it's also not effective if you're told over and over, you can do it if you just try hard enough. This is true for like learning a skill like meal prepping, but sometimes for weight loss, because biology plays such a big role, that's just one of the things we want to think about as we think about building competence. Competence is one of those three key psychological needs that we need for long-term habit change. So yes, while we can learn from other experiences of how to turn a should to a want to, we do have to acknowledge and kind of understand barriers that might make this other goal, like this weight loss goal that's so prized, I'm not saying it's not possible, but we have to kind of factor that in when we think about how to build competence and feel effective. If you're sort of feeling like weight loss is the only thing that matters and you're feeling ineffective, that might have nothing to do with you and how determined you are. It might have to do with your biology or perhaps sometimes to the stress of dieting and all these shoulds, right? So that's another area where we have to kind of think about how this should mentality is impacting us. So the other story I wanted to share about this is that health is a value for, you know, everyone I've ever worked with, right? Like we want good health so that usually not just for the sake of good health, but so we can show up in our lives in a way that's meaningful and valuable. And the thing about values, though, and a value in health, it can be firmly in the should category and it can, it's often over there when it's really fixated on weight loss because that it, again, it gets all wrapped up in societal pressures and all these like should and shame around our relationship with food. 
And so we kind of need to unpack and understand that to understand when health is a should and when it's actually an internal values-based choice that we're making for our health truly. So to explain this point, I'll tell you a story. When I was 18 in college at Michigan State, I took a health class and we got uh, labs done. So my cholesterol came back super high. I think it was like 280s. And this was concerning to me for sure. And in fact, my doctor at the time was like, well, maybe I'll go on meds. And I was like, I really prefer not to. I'm 18. And they kind of said it's genetic. And yeah, it wasn't genetic, but that's a whole other story. So this concerned me, but I was kind of like, ooh, maybe this will motivate me to be healthier, right? Because at this point, I was about two years into the diet world and kept trying to lose weight, and I just kept essentially gaining weight. Well, four years later after college, uh, my cholesterol was the same. I was had gained more weight. I was, I was less healthy than I've ever been. It was kind of interesting because we did a research study years ago where are you currently on a diet to lose weight was a predictor of weight gain, and that was certainly the the case for me. So I I share that example because I think a lot of times our fixation with this idea of health or what we think is health takes us away from health. And that definitely was the case for me. This idea of like, because a lot of times I was too fixated on weight loss, but I really did try to focus on like, why does my health matter to me? What do I want it for? But it was still so firmly in the should category. There was still so much should and shame wrapped up in it that I couldn't make the changes from an autonomous place. And so I think really being honest with ourselves and saying, what, what, what is causing this to be firmly in the should category? What am I buying into? And how is that keeping me from understanding what might actually be beneficial to my health? And in fact, in, you know, I think the diet weight loss industry distracts us from what's helpful to us. I also think like for me, I've always kind of didn't love eating meat. I mean, I ate meat and I still do, but I, at that time, probably would have been pretty helpful to know that some of the weight loss industry tells us like we have to eat meat to get protein. If we don't eat meat, we're not going to get enough protein and you're not going to be full. And all of those shoulds that can really, again, I don't know if plant-based eating is right for you. I have zero idea because I'm not you. I am not, I don't have your preferences. I don't have your body. And I can't make that choice for you. But what I want you to consider is where is the messages I'm getting from weight loss or weight loss industry or diet culture perhaps causing you to have shoulds or maybe did you have shoulds in the past that aren't promoting your health? And so really thinking about removing that diet overlay or removing that diet mindset to really look at, okay, like, how is this impacting my health? And um, yeah, my cholesterol is very low now. <laughs> and not, I mean, I it lowered before I ever went plant-based. So I'm not saying plant-based is the, the solution by any means. I'm just sharing that as an example of how this fixation on health and how we can convince ourselves it's about our health and how we hope health will motivate us. But when it's in that external should-based side of that equation with, um, I'm picturing that arrow that I sometimes share where, the more internal motivations on the right and the more externals on the left until it shifts over to, I'm choosing this because this is the right option for me. And I've gotten actual accurate information about what influences my health. That's when we can feel truly autonomous and feel like we can take control of our health. So 
So I want to share some tips to summarize to really help you shift this how from or how to shift from a should to a want to. So first, I'd encourage you to reflect on how the change you want to make, the habit change, let's say it's meal prepping or walking more regularly, how it's helpful to you. So make sure it actually is helpful to you first and then reflect on this, right? So if you want to get yourself into a meal prep planning routine more, notice and change how you talk to yourself. So instead of telling yourself you should do it and if you don't, you're lazy and all this judgment that we share on ourselves, remind yourself of how it makes you feel when you do it. So like, for example, if you feel more confident in control, less stressed in the weeks you meal prep, remind yourself of that. And in a way, that's holding yourself accountable in a very self-supportive way. Number two, evaluate how and where the shoulds are coming from. So again, this is kind of to the point of, is it coming from the weight loss industry or someone you saw on social media? Where are these shoulds about what you should or shouldn't be eating or doing with your health coming from? And there are just so many ways that diet culture and societal pressure and the equivalent of weight equals health, they just undermine our autonomy and feelings of control. And if you're mad about that, it is okay. Give yourself a minute, journal about it, vent it to a friend, like just name and acknowledge that. But then remind yourself that you have a choice, right? You have a choice to listen to that BS or not. And then saying, okay, what do I really want? How is this going to serve me? And so that's the next tip is reminding yourself you have a choice and asking yourself, how do I want to feel at the end of my day or my week? So this can work for those pesky work tasks that you've been avoiding or loads of laundry that you really need to do and you don't want to. Or for me, for some reason, I really hate getting my oil changed. I don't know why. And it's obviously not something you have to do a lot, but I just really don't like it. And so whatever it is, reminding yourself how you're going to feel once you get that task done can help shift from should to want to or should to choose to. And of course, we want to challenge that perfectionistic, all or nothing fixed mindset. It helps no one. It does not allow you to learn, grow, or become better. Humans thrive on learning, growing, and becoming better. Perfectionism keeps us from that. It's not not striving for excellence. You can still strive for really high goals, but by adding in flexibility, you can very often achieve more without sacrificing your health and well-being. So as a recovering perfectionist myself, I find it very freeing to be able to give yourself that flexibility. And once you consistently give yourself that flexibility, you might fall back into old mindsets at times, but you're going to want to stay in the flexible mindset because it feels way better. So just saying. So all of these things are things that I wish I would have asked myself and considered a long time ago, ideally when I was 16 or at least 18. So I hope you do it sooner rather than later, and I hope you find it helpful. So thank you so much for listening today. I appreciate all of you, and have a wonderful, energized day. Thank you for tuning in today. Your time is valuable, and it means so much to me that you're here. Despite the title of this podcast, many of our topics are not always easy. Change is hard, and let's face it, life and truly looking inward at ourselves can be uncomfortable. That's why I'm grateful. Grateful for you and your willingness to listen, learn, and keep an open mind. 
I invite you to learn more by going to drshawnhondorp.com or finding me on Instagram at psychology.of.wellness. If you're enjoying this podcast, it would be amazing if you could give it a review so more people can find it. Thanks, and I truly hope you have an energetic and inspired day.